Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, I see you, membership leader. I see how hard you're working over there. I see how you're doing your best to be helpful to your people and for your organization. And sometimes that feels very, very hard to do. What do members want from us? How can we help in ways that don't burn us out or exceed the resources that we have available? In what ways can we make the biggest difference? In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of people and organizations who asked one simple question, how can we be helpful? I'm your host, Joy Dooling, and my business, The Joy of Membership, is all about giving membership-based organizations the structure and supports you need to deliver your best work to members every single day. I'm here to help you because I know that you are here to help them. Let's do that together. In this week's episode, we're exploring the question of whether a member's perception of value can actually be influenced by the look of the materials you give them. In other words, does brand really matter? Ross Kimbarovsky is founder and CEO of Crowdspring, a company where you can connect with more than 220,000 freelancers to get custom logo design, web design, graphic design, product design, and more. Basically, if you need something designed, you can probably find more than enough people over at Crowdspring who can do it. Crowdspring has some significant reach, working with big companies like Amazon, LG, Starbucks, Microsoft, Barilla, Philips, but also tens of thousands of smaller organizations like nonprofits, entrepreneurs, and startups. Before founding Crowdspring, Ross practiced law for 13 years as a successful trial attorney. But before you start thinking that he's all no-nonsense attorney guy... Some believe that Ross left law back in 2007 to start Crowdspring just so that he could wear shorts to work. Ross says that rumor is completely true. Hey, Ross, thanks for being here today. So to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and who you help? Thanks. So Ross Kimbarovsky, I am the founder and CEO of Crowdspring.com. I started my career as an attorney and was a trial attorney for 13 years and then got the entrepreneurial bug and started Crowdspring, which is I've been in business for 12 years. We have over 220,000 freelancers who help 
everybody from trade associations to businesses, to entrepreneurs, to agencies with everything from custom logo design, web design, packaging design, marketing design, and even naming businesses and and organizations. And ultimately, we believe that great design doesn't have to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Our pricing starts at $299 for a custom logo project. And the beauty is you pick from actual designs. You pick your favorite, not from bids and proposals. It turned that market upside down. So obviously, since you started CrowdSpring, you believe that brand and great design matter. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between design and the perception of value? So your brand identity, and and this is where I think a lot of people mistakenly latch on to something that is wrong. Most business people, most founders of organizations, whether it's a trade association or a not-for-profit looking to do charitable work in Africa, think that your brand identity is your logo. And while your logo is part of your brand identity, your brand identity is actually much more. It is everything visual about your brand. Identity is very important for a very simple reason. People make very quick credibility judgments of other people, of organizations, of businesses, of charities. And we do this mostly visually quickly. So something that that I think most people don't know is that it takes a human 60,000 times faster to process a visual image if they see a logo, for example, than to read words. And that's, that's a remarkable difference. And the reason that difference is important is because A lot of what happens in our minds when we see visual things or read words is emotion. And so so the way your organization connects with your prospective members, for example, or the general public can be influenced by that really first interaction they have with you. And so one of the best things any organization can do today, and it's been true for decades, is Build a strong visual identity for your organization. You still have to do all of the other things right. In other words, you can't have a terrible product or a terrible service. You still have to do something for your members, for your customers. But if you don't have a strong visual identity, you lose credibility. So what's that old saying? You can't just put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. (laughs) Exactly. And this is, I think, one of the differences between, you know, there are agencies out there that will in trying to get business, we'll say, look, you can fix everything with a great brand identity. And the honest answer is, no, you can't. You can't fix, if you have a trade association that is struggling to figure out how to empower your members, how to deliver either services or information, how to help them find new clients or or share technologies or share resources, no amount of branding is going to help you overcome that problem. Ultimately, you still need to have a fundamentally strong foundation for whatever it is that you offer. But it works similarly in the reverse. You can have the best approach to membership. You can offer members tremendous resources, networking, and opportunities. But if your organization has a very poor visual identity, most members will look past you. They just won't find you to be sufficiently credible to invest their time. That's simply human nature. This is how people think. This is how cognitively we process information. And when it comes to identities, this is how we look at each other too. I mean, if we see somebody who is well-dressed, for example, we tend to ascribe certain things to that person. 
They may be wrong, but they're biases, and it works the same with organizations. So can you talk a little bit about what makes a strong identity? Like if I'm if I'm listening out there in the audience, I'm a trade group leader, and design just really isn't my thing. It's not my forte. Like, how would I know if my organization's identity needs some tweaking? Are there telltale sure. signs? Sure. So, so let's talk about broad concepts. First of all, you want something that's unique. In other words, starting from your name, your organization's name, to the logo, to your website, to your marketing materials. Too many people make the mistake of under-investing in good design when they start an organization. And the challenge is, and this is proven to be true across nonprofit, for-profit companies, trade associations, across the board, the cost of bad design is significantly higher in the long term than good design in the first place. And that's because when you struggle to build credibility with your members, when you're talking to companies or individuals who you're trying to introduce into your membership roles, you're having a hard time overcoming that friction that you initially create through bad design. So one important element is uniqueness. You have to find a unique identity that fits your organization. That means staying away from computer-generated graphics, staying away from generic graphical elements that are going to confuse people. When they see your logo, if they don't really know it's your organization, simply because a thousand other organizations share a similar design, they're never going to remember you. They're not going to think about you. They'll have a hard time telling other people about it. So that's the first one. A second important element is memorability. You have to create something that people remember. Now, a lot of that for organizations, and and unfortunately, too few of them do this correctly, a lot of that is storytelling. So storytelling is really, really important for anyone. If you are marketing something, and let's face it, if you have a trade association, most of the time you may be nonprofit, but ultimately you're still trying to find members to come into the fold because that's how you make the whole better. And At the end of the day, you need to be able to tell compelling stories to explain to people why should they join your organization? What's in it for them? How could they benefit? So a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses spend some time designing a website, designing marketing materials. 95% of the time is spent on design and 5% is spent on the copywriting, the words that you're using to communicate. And that is an incredibly costly mistake because When we think about design at CrowdSpring, for example, design includes the words, the copy. When we design things, we focus on both of those things. And in a best case scenario, we spend more time on copy than on the design because that's what actually persuades people. Worst case scenario, we spend at least half and half, half of our time focusing on the design elements, half of it focusing on copywriting because all of them are visual elements. And remember, your identity is everything visual about your brand. So when I went to the CrowdSpring website the first time, I have to admit the idea of you having 220,000 freelance designers, somewhere around that was a little overwhelming. So how does crowdsource design work exactly? 
So that's where we we found kind of the secret sauce in all of this back in 2007 when we when we started working on the product. Then if you wanted to get a design, if you're a trade association and you need to rebrand, for example, you need a new brochure, you would go to a, a standard traditional freelancer or an agency or a marketplace and you would explain the scope of what you needed done and they would give you bids and proposals. And if you're the head of the association or you're you're helping with marketing, you're looking through these bids and proposals, you're trying to look at portfolios, figuring out who can do this work for us. What occurred to us, and then I ran into this problem personally when I was trying to redesign a website for my law firm, is that's a bad way to buy design services. It didn't matter whether you were running an association, a small business, or a big company. Spending hours and hours looking through bids and proposals was wasteful. And so we said, why don't we just ask designers to do the actual work? So if you need a new brochure for your association, rather than looking through bids and proposals, you're looking through actual designs of a brochure for your association with the elements that you want, the copywriting that you want in that brochure. And you pick the one that you like. It's like buying a jacket in the store. It's like buying a car. You look at the number that are available and you pick the one that you love. So we made that format available for design services. And and now your time is focused on picking your best and favorite design. And we help you do that. And particularly for trade associations, this is actually is a, is a very useful part of it. We recognize that that there were organizations that would benefit significantly from being able to poll their members. Part of it is, hey, we want to include you in that process. Part of it is is we want your feedback legitimately because we want you to tell us if this is working. So we have unlimited focus groups across all of our design projects. So if you're running a project for a logo or marketing materials, you can pick your favorite designs up to 12 and publicly or privately launch as many focus groups as you want. You can have your members vote you can have uh, votes on social, you can have your prospective members vote, you can have your staff vote, and then you can you can see what their insights are and their feedback is and pick your favorite. That is really cool, Ross. I've had several clients um, over the years do projects that are crowdsourced. And I think the thing that I love about that compared to the traditional way of doing it. I mean, I've worked with graphic designers for years and I know like if there's a client who comes in and they need something, I kind of know like which graphic designer's style is probably going to match with the organization. But the thing that I've loved about the crowdsource is because you could see like different ideas and approaches from a bunch of different designers you're not limited to just one person's way of seeing the project. And that's a really good way of putting it. Ultimately, where we were stuck before we launched CrowdSpring and where the world was stuck was you work with a freelancer, you'll get one, maybe two different concepts. Even with an agency, you're going to get just a few concepts. On CrowdSpring, if you're getting a new logo, you're looking at 60 to 100 different custom logo designs for your organization. And for somebody that isn't a designer, they generally have good aesthetic tastes. And even if they don't, there are ways that we help them as well. We have a personal project consultant you could work with uh, to make sure you get the best. But most people have pretty good aesthetic tastes. They know what visually looks good and what visually doesn't. It's much easier, much more powerful to be able to look at 
60 or 100 logos and say, I like these several, and I'm going to put these in a poll and ask my people, then to wait for a month, which is what traditionally used to happen, see one design, and maybe you liked it, maybe you hated it, which is what happened with me. That's what caused me to start CrowdSpring. I hired an agency to do a web redesign, and I absolutely hated their work. And and it was painful because I was embarrassed and I wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. And I said, there's got to be a better way for people to buy design services at a cheaper price and to help all these freelancers around the world. We have freelancers in 195 countries connect with clients. I noticed that recently you have been speaking with a lot of nonprofit groups on podcasts and virtual events. I'm curious if you've learned anything about nonprofits that maybe surprised you or that you're using to influence the way CrowdSpring does its work with nonprofits? So we have always worked with nonprofits from day one. In fact, from launch, we created this program we call Give Back back in 2008, where once a month we pick a, a worthy nonprofit from all the applicants and we provide free design services for them. It's a new logo or, or a new website or whatever it is that they need. And we've helped nonprofits all over the world across different areas. It's an interesting question because we have talked to a lot of nonprofits. And the one thing that, as it concerns brand identity, that always surprises me is most nonprofits and and this is largely driven by the consultants who help them, focus on other nonprofits as a way to understand what they should do. And here's what we've learned. The secret isn't in focusing on other nonprofits. The best nonprofits actually look at everything, including for-profit companies. And the reason is because very few nonprofits actually understand storytelling. It's not because they haven't done it, It's simply because they don't have enough people in most nonprofits to be able to tell these stories compellingly. And they don't have enough experienced people at most nonprofits to be able to tell these stories compellingly. And so when they look at other nonprofits and they see the level of storytelling there, they see the level of visual identity, they say, you know what, if we can be as good as them, then then we'll position ourselves pretty well. But the reality is there are so many great examples in the for-profit space, companies that are great storytellers, Nike. Apple. There are lots of them. Companies that do such a great job with visual design. And the important thing is the best companies, the the brands that are worth billions of dollars, are not creating complex visual design. You think about Apple's visual design. It's very simple. It doesn't take hundreds and hundreds of people, but executing it is difficult because simple isn't always easy. Those are very different concepts. So we always are surprised that nonprofits tend to look at other nonprofits as opposed to what happens in the for-profit space, where we think there are great examples for how to do visual design well, how to do storytelling well, how to engage people. So when we think about a business and its potential prospect of customers, it's the same as a trade association and and its potential members. And every time we talk with trade associations, we walk away thinking they've done some of the basics, but they haven't really sat down to think through how do we portray a a strong visual identity? How do we tell a strong story about how we help people? What they want is for you to join and pay a membership fee, and that's fine, but they need to compellingly explain, and very few associations do this well, why do you want to pay that membership fee? What do you get from it? And, And how do you benefit in the short term and the long term? And that's where I think more associations, more membership organizations can look to businesses 
to see what they do exceptionally well in that space rather than other trade associations. I love that. I think that's really wise counsel, Ross. So if people are curious about CrowdSpring, where can they learn more about you and the services that are available? Sure. CrowdSpring.com is our website, C-R-O-W-D-S-P-R-I-N-G. We have a blog at CrowdSpring.com slash blog where we write about marketing and design and branding at length. I'm on Twitter um, at Ross Kimbarovsky. CrowdSpring is there too at CrowdSpring. And I'm on LinkedIn at Ross Kimbarovsky too. Great. We'll get all of that in the show notes so people have the links to get to you. Thanks so much for being here, Ross. Really appreciate your time today. Enjoyed our conversation. Excellent. Hey there, it's Joy, and I'm back with a few thoughts on this week's episode. When I was in my late 20s and still employed in state government, a coworker and I were assigned to prepare our agency's report for the new governor's transition team. The objective was to produce a comprehensive document that would showcase key initiatives and provide the essential information that the new governor's team might need to know. We started with a massive amount of information that came to us in a hodgepodge of formats. There were white papers and charts and informal messages like, don't forget this and be sure to highlight this other thing too. And ultimately, we ended up with a document full of awesome information. But I felt like the report was missing one small thing that would elevate it above the ordinary. I wanted it to have a gorgeous, full-color photographic cover. Nowadays, you would call that a hero image, but I didn't know what a hero image was back then. I just knew that the report needed something really special. It needed an up-leveled look. Now, the reaction when I put the report in the hands of our director was the wow that I had hoped for. That one simple change to just up-level the cover of the report gave an up-leveled perception of value. That cover said, this is not your ordinary report. Get ready to experience something special. Now, obviously, we had to deliver on that promise. The content of the report had to be stellar. But I'll always believe that it was the design of that cover that made it stand out amongst all of the other reports that the transition team was going to see. Now, similarly, when I'm working with clients today, I'm always mindful of the first impression that great design can make. People naturally make judgments about value based on what they see. If I were limited to only three things that a membership organization could have professionally designed, like if that's all they had the budget for, I would say it should be their logo, their website, and some sort of printable document that showcases what the organization has to offer, like something that you could actually put in the hands of a prospective member or something that they could print off of your website and it would showcase what you do. Now, obviously, I'd love for a client to have professional design on everything, but if I had to choose just three things, 
those would be the three. If creating an exceptional member experience is something that you think is important, I invite you to check out the Member Experience Makeover, my signature program for understanding what value is and how you can deliver it to members. This program is specifically for those of you who are running associations, trade groups, or membership-based nonprofits, and you really want to connect with what members want and need from you in every step of their journey with your organization. During the program, which you can take at your own pace, I guide you through a deep assessment of what's currently happening in your membership, and we plan exactly what needs to happen to fill growth gaps and build on strengths. You can see all of the details about the program at joyofmembership.com slash makeover. And there's even a little gadget there on that page to submit any questions you might have about whether the program is a perfect fit for yourself or perhaps a committee chair or another member of your team. Check it out. And I hope to see you in there real soon. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.